Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Equals. This is Nabil, and it's and it's going to be it's going to be quite different, isn't it, Max? Yeah, yeah, really different. Um, well, the world has changed. Welcome, Nadia from from DC. Hi everyone. Yes, it's it's um it's good to connect with you guys again in Nairobi, and um, feeling very far but very close in this tough time that everyone's facing. Really are. Hi everyone. For thanks for joining us out there. So. So for the next few episodes, Equals is going to be a little bit different. We know that coronavirus is, is dominating our world. We're living in a, in a scary time, a difficult time. We know how this is touching so many of us in a, very, in a very personal way. In the next few episodes of Equals, we're going to be looking at the relationship between coronavirus and so many things that affect ordinary people. We're going to kick off today with a, with a conversation between Nadia, Max and I. And over the next few episodes, look at issues from work to, to healthcare, to just really the way that this virus affects the future of the world. Yes, and the way that this virus is kind of interacting with inequality, you know, it's it's feeding on existing inequalities, it's increasing inequalities, um, and it may have the seeds of, of much greater inequality in the future. Yeah, it really is. Nadia, how is, how is it over there and, and, and how is it at home with your kids? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're um, <clears throat> all the schools have closed now, and um, that was expected. But you know, when we when we saw those emails, it was still kind of um, a shock to the system. Putting away the backpacks, you know, we've we've had them out by the door, and now they're they're back in the closet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's tough, you know, balancing work, balancing the kids. Uh, you know, we've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old. One of them needs, well, both of them need a lot of attention, 100% attention, um, but they need different types, and we're trying to give that to them and sort of splitting the workday and, and the childcare and, and homeschooling between me and my partner. What about you guys? Here in Nairobi, yeah, the schools have been closed now for a few weeks. Uh, in some ways, it's been nice to have my, my son and my daughter, similar ages to yours at, at home, I think I think my wife and I, I think we've just grown in massive respect for teachers the last few weeks. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I, I know everyone's saying it, but it's true. What an incredible job teachers do! I mean, it's really, really hard. Um, and I, my children, I knew they didn't respect me, but really, they really <laughs> don't respect me. And it's interesting. I mean, I think we can be open at this time, and we're all going through in some way similar experiences around the world but my son is literally crawling up to me here as we record the podcast <laughs> so so really in this first episode it'll be really interesting to kick off with 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 something that oxfam is is thinking about and is raising its voice about which is really the relationship between inequality and coronavirus well i think i mean coming back to the school's point a bit i mean it's it's Yes, it is hard homeschooling, but I have a job, uh, and so does my wife, where we can both suddenly work at home, we can do half time, you know, my employer is very flexible, you know, these these are generally more middle class professions, you know, the, the, the economic impact, I mean, that really lays bare the difference, but we're relatively privileged and, and very lucky. Um, it's interesting you say that, because this, this pandemic is also really, also exposing and exploiting the inequality that exists between between women and men, because we know that women do do the world's most insecure, poorly paid jobs, and they're facing that even more in this crisis. But you know, we also know that women provide really for free, and we've talked about this in the past episode. All that care work that takes place, that and we're depending on it more than ever. Absolutely, I mean, think about just this homeschooling piece that we were talking about a, a minute ago. 
it's women who are going to bear the brunt of having to teach their children. It's women who are going to be caring for those younger ones and the older ones. And it's women who are doing, you know, the dishes, the extra dishes that are piling up, the extra laundry that's piling up. Um, and also women who are, as you said, are in the most precarious jobs and most vulnerable at this time. Yeah, I mean, we had um, in Kenya, one of the big exports is cut flowers to Europe and they just made redundant 50,000 workers last week and they're almost all women. So these supply chains all over the world, it's women that are losing their jobs. I think you'll also see a big spike in domestic violence, a huge amount of stress and tension and anxiety. I think the other thing is that the health workers, you know, 70% of the world's health workers are women. So the people on the front line fighting this virus, getting sick, are are also women. So I, I think we're only just beginning to see the gendered impact of this crisis. Absolutely. And it's the same situation that we're seeing all over the world, um, you know, in countries where there are big section of the economy is informal economy. Um, And in the US, you know, I mean, so many people um, that are on contracts or retail workers, restaurant workers, uh, people that are, you know, trying to start their own small businesses. I mean, all these people suddenly out of jobs. And just to give you one example, Virginia, which is the state adjacent to the one I live in, last year had an average number of unemployment claims of 65 per day. Okay, 65. Last week, what did we see? We saw 400 new unemployment claims on Monday, 2,000 on Tuesday, 4,000 on Wednesday, and 8,000 reported unemployment claims on Thursday. The numbers are staggering. And this is a trend we're seeing all over the world, right? Millions of workers losing their jobs. And it's fascinating this because you say that, and obviously, Nadia, you're, you're based in the United States. It's it's really I think in a, I think coronavirus is both exposing but also exploiting our very deeply unequal world because we see this kind of difference of impact between the rich and the poor in in, in countries around the world actually I mean if if you know if you're if you're richer in wherever you may be you're going to be more likely to have access to healthcare you can more likely to have cash to get by your reserves. Whilst most of humanity actually are facing this crisis with, with neither of those things. And I mean, it kind of, I have to remind myself, we do live in a world in which the majority of humanity have, have neither of those things. One in two of us around the world earn less than $5.50 a day. And illness, we know, is so so associated with poverty. So that's that's before going into this crisis. Goodness knows what the months ahead of us have. I mean, it's really interesting, the the parallels between a country like the US, uh, which, I mean, has a very weak safety net, but at least has some kind of safety net. But you've still got this situation where most people are living from paycheck to paycheck. And it's exactly the same here in Kenya. I mean, the vast majority of workers, particularly women, are in the informal sector. You know, they're paid on a cash-in-hand basis. You know, they can't afford to miss more than one or two days' work before they don't have any food. And that's the, that's the reality. I suppose the big difference between Kenya and the US is, I mean, however weak the US safety net, there are unemployment checks, there is social security. I mean, there, there's literally nothing here. You know, if, if, if you fall on hard times, it's your relatives, maybe friends might lend you some money, but this is going to happen to everybody at once. Yeah. And I mean, you see things like, you know, today, for example, early this morning, the the U.S. Senate passed a new massive stimulus bill of two trillion dollars. 
Um, and and within that, there are a lot of um, a lot of things that are going to help a lot of Americans. Um, not all of them, but I think you know we're seeing different rich countries put together new massive economic packages, and knowing that that's just not possible in so many other countries is is terrifying. You're so right, Nadia. And I think for me, it's interesting just experience this from, from, from a personal perspective because you know, I have friends like you, Nadia, in, in the States. I'm from the UK. We're looking at massive, massive government intervention uh, on health and in the economy but in the like UK. We've never seen before. It's like we've, unprecedented, right? And then look, and then look, you know, Max and I were based here in Nairobi. So it's a, it's a very different, it's a very different picture when it comes to the economy. Or I look at my, my family in Pakistan. I think what's clear here there is that yes, definitely. I think you know, uh, this the, a pandemic hits people very differently in any country you are in the world. But there's also something here to be said about the difference between rich countries and poor countries. We've got poor countries like here in Kenya, where you know the health, you know, the health system is weak. Countries are like this are drowning in debt. I think something like more than half the countries in sub-Saharan Africa have are, are, are more than fifty percent in debt. Well, rich nations we're seeing in many countries are able to set up holidays, uh, set up hospitals, and they're uh, and they're unlocking trillions to put back into their economy. I remember from the financial crisis the 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 way the world kind of rallied, particularly in London at the G20 in two thousand nine, and put together a huge package that really did help poor countries. It was still helping rich countries more, but there was a kind of collective move. And I, I, I think we really, really need that kind of action from rich countries. On the one hand, to kind of free up the space from developing countries and, and particularly, you know, cancelling their debts or mm. suspending their debt payments so they have more money of their own to spend. And then we need to see a, a, just a dramatic increase in aid, particularly for for health, as fast as possible. Because... It's so short-sighted because if, if if the virus is anywhere, then it's everywhere, isn't it? And if it takes hold in developing countries and you manage to defeat it in the UK, for how long? You know, it's just not, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. If ever there was a collective action problem, it's this one. You know, it's, 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 it, it, you're so right there, Max, because, and it's interesting because in communities around the world, and, and we're seeing these stories of hope, aren't they, about communities pulling together, looking after their vulnerable, really going that extra mile in, in compassion to get through this crisis. But at the same time, I think we really need that sense of really global compassion of governments coming together and saying we're only going to get through this by leaving no country behind, by really leaving no person behind right now. And and I really, we really, really do need to see that global solidarity from governments come really fast. I, I agree entirely. And and I think that this is also a space where the where multilateralism comes in and the role of groups like the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, um, the G20 in terms of coming together for, for global decision making from rich countries, especially. And it's difficult because rich countries are facing this crisis themselves in a really difficult way, in a really hard way. I mean, like, you know, New York is now the new epicenter um, of this crisis, along with Spain and before that, Italy. I mean, these are countries that um, that are also countries where we expect them to step up with respect to aid. Um, and so uh, and and so we want them to come together. I think the IMF, as we said, and just, you know, referencing the 2008-2009 crisis, they played a big role then. And I think the world is looking to them to play a massive role now. Um, Kristalina Georgieva, the managing director of the IMF, has said that 
the IMF is ready to deploy their $1 trillion in reserves uh, to, to support countries in need at this moment. Um, the World Bank has announced at least $14 billion and, and is announcing more soon, probably. So, I mean, there's a lot of money out there in these multilateral institutions that needs to be activated and it needs to be activated transparently and responsibly um, because, you know, where that money goes is really important. But the implications of repayment on a lot of that money is also something that we can't forget um, and we have to learn lessons. 2008-2009 as well there. Couldn't agree more. We cannot have another decade of austerity as poor countries are forced to pay back. So yeah, I agree. I, I also, I'm, I suppose I'm a bit more pessimistic because, you know, the state of our national politics and the state of national politics in rich countries and in the G20, the narrow nationalism, the populism, you know, multilateralism is probably at its lowest ebb when we need to, it to be its strongest in history. You know, it's kind of the gap between the, the the quality of our politicians and the size of the task is really dramatic. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this pandemic it really exposes how that road of nas- narrow nationalism is a road to nowhere, actually, because it doesn't even help. It doesn't help the rich countries. It obviously doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help their citizens. So maybe a little less pessimistic than the new Max. That hopefully this this pandemic acts as a springboard as a global wake-up call that we do need to work together the government is back that you know it's the only way to fight a crisis and lift humanity up through dark times oh, i hope so i mean certainly on the health front um you know if ever there was a case for universal public health care for all and and i mean very positively we're hearing stories from countries like costa rica thailand sri lanka poor countries that have very good healthcare systems that are managing this crisis very well. So it's not the case that every country is, even the poorest countries are, are treating this badly. But yeah, the, the case for health investment, I mean, we we're just doing some numbers today. The, in Italy, they're really struggling and oh, it's awful the stories coming out of Italy, but they have one doctor for every 250 people. In Zambia, it's one doctor for every 10,000 people. So if Italy is struggling to cope, you can't begin to think what it's going to be like when it reaches these poor countries. And it will. It's just a matter That's of time. That's exactly right. And, and I, was, um, I was on Twitter yesterday. Uh, unusual for me, I know. <laughs> um, but I, I read this. Uh, <laughs> I was reading this Twitter thread from this uh, emergency room ER doctor uh, talking about his experience, you know, facing this crisis from an ER perspective, talking about, you know, waking up and, and going into the hospital and just every hour, tons and tons of patients coming in. They've learned how to identify these symptoms. It seems like that's all they're dealing with now. Um, and he was saying, you know, every hour they're having to decide who is going to be the patient that gets the ventilator. And you know, I was just thinking by the end of his day, he's already put six people or so on ventilators in one day, in one hospital, in one place. And meanwhile, you know, they're in Sierra Leone. They're talking about having only one ventilator in the whole country. It's a just totally different world that we're, you know, that people are experiencing in a country like the U.S. or or the United Kingdom versus a country like Sierra Leone or even Uganda or, you know, the Democratic Republic of Congo. I mean, it's just vastly different. It is. It is very different. I mean, poor people everywhere are really suffering. But, you know, 
just in terms of you know health provision and the availability of treatment it's just so low in these in these developing countries um, at the same time folks we do we do see how if, if you look at history that the world is rebuilt through times of shock and and whilst this is a difficult time i guess we we shouldn't keep our, take our eye off the ball here about how our economies are being re- rebuilt we're seeing the economic stimulus packages being put forward how they're used is is a, is a really important question right now isn't it uh, yeah i think i mean we're seeing the rule book being ripped up and um, the unthinkable being thought about the impossible becoming possible you know a universal grant to all american citizens the, the irish and spanish governments nationalizing all private health care mm-hmm. You know, incredible things happening. We're basically seeing a use of a universal basic income in many countries. In many countries, you're seeing, um, and you are seeing lessons being learned, I think, from the financial crisis in that the bailout is not just going to big business and banks. It is being directed directly to ordinary people. And I think that's very positive. I I think, as, as Nadi, you said earlier on, I think the other key lesson we have to learn is that having ripped up the ball block and done these amazing things that we don't kind of revert back mm-hmm. to where we were before and suddenly we have decades of austerity and you know we, we don't fix the problem of taxing the rich and tax dodging you know that poor people are made to pay the price of these bailouts for decades to come but i think you know, there's hope there i think you know we've shown that things can happen and you know, we really fight. We have to fight for a fairer world after this virus, not a, a more unequal one. I would agree with that. I think that's a, a nice note to end on as well. It really is, friends. I think there can be really no going back to that kind of that unequal, vulnerable world that we've had that, that's failed us now, right? And and those kinds of foundations for a better world, they need to be built now, you know, from from free quality public health care for all. So we, so we all have a doctor to go to, to, to universal social protection for all, to things like the Green New Deal. We really need to think. Really need to think about shifting our world irreversibly in that sustainable, more equal, kinder direction. So I should probably stop there. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Uh, thanks for at times bearing with the sound of our kids playing in the background. If you're listening to us for the first time, welcome to Equals. I should mention that we were super happy to hear from listeners out there who've been binging on our episode so far. And and if you're at home looking for something to to listen to, well. We should have something for you from, uh, you know, from talking to the very cool Anand Giridharadas about who should change our world, to talking to the world's top trade union leader, Sharon Burrow, about workers' rights, to, to U.S. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, she was brilliant, to the brilliant feminist economist and thinker Jayati Ghosh. There's, there's lots of smart and hopeful and, and maybe even mildly inspirational stuff for everyone out there so so that's that's what we've had in the next few weeks we really hope to look at some really interesting angles on coronavirus as we go through this this challenging time but but if you have some ideas on on what we could cover do let us know we'd love to hear from you equals at oxfam.org that's equals at oxfam.org and any stories you want to share with us about the personal experiences that you're facing or seeing around you and with respect to you know how this this virus is changing uh, your life or those around you and how it how it impacts on inequality, please do let us know. Share your story with us at the same email. Sure thing. Thanks, Nadia. Thanks, everyone out there for joining us today. Stay safe. Do take care. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Stay healthy.